0: All right, this is Brent Leary, and with me right now is Kira Wampler, who is the CMO of Lyft. Kira, thank you for joining me.
1: Hi, it's great to be here, and it's so great to be chatting with you again, and since we've known each other, I don't want to say how many years, but a lot of years,
0: so. (laughs) We first met when you were at Intuit, uh, so Uh maybe... Before we jump into what you're doing with Lyft and the whole idea of the modern marketer and, and all that kind of great stuff, maybe you can give us a little bit of your personal background.
1: Sure. Uh, I'm currently the CMO at Lyft. I joined uh, back in December of 2014. Prior to that, I was the CMO at Trulia um, up until Zillow acquired Trulia, Um, Before that, I um, launched Lytro out of stealth. Um, So Lytro is the camera that let you refocus pictures after the fact um, and ran product marketing, sales and international at Lytro. It was a really, really exciting experience. Um, Before that, uh, a little bit of time uh, helping companies with social media community and online engagement. And that was a direct result of um, many years at Intuit, um, over six and a half years. I started as a um, uh, an intern, an MBA intern in uh, QuickBooks for Accountants, the Accountant Edition. Um, and then I was a brand manager, but for most of my years at Intuit, I was Intuit's first word of mouth marketing manager, which is what we would probably refer to as online engagement or social media today. So that was back in the old days when uh, YouTube was only six weeks old, uh, Facebook was still for students only, and Twitter did not exist yet. So, <laughs> um, I've been around. I've been around doing this work for a long time, and um, and before that, uh, before business school, I, I did a couple of different things, uh, mostly related to uh, to marketing and, and business development, um, with, especially with smaller companies. So helping you know smaller companies get uh, get off the ground. Um, I'm a Georgetown undergrad, uh, so very excited. Um, that the Pope is here this week, and, and I'm a Duke uh, business school grad, and so as a result, I'm a very hardcore college basketball fan.
0: Yes, uh, I do remember that That's, about you, particularly uh, the yes. Duke part. Um, <laughs> well, that was a, a an impressive list of stops and jobs and things that you've done, and since you've been involved with marketing for, uh, you know, well, like you said, well before the age of Twitter, it seems like that's a long time ago, but it really, you know, it really isn't, but it's a sizable amount of time. Maybe I could ask you what you think the biggest change in marketing has been since you got into marketing up until now where you're the CMO of Lyft?
1: Great question. You know, I think the, the biggest change has been speed. And, and the pace of, uh, the pace of change on the part of consumers and, and how consumers behave, uh, the pace of change and the speed with which um, information flows or uh, misinformation flows, for example, uh, the speed with which you know a an idea becomes something that people can't live without um, you know, in, in under one, two, three years, where you know, in some cases it would take you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years uh, for trends to take hold. So I, I think a lot about that. I think a lot about how much, uh, much more intense and how much faster uh, the world moves, uh, particularly as it relates to the things marketers are trying to do. And and so that's both, you know, good, right? it means that when you can harness that speed, you can can see some really exciting, uh, fast results. Uh, It it also can be really challenging, particularly if you're in a crisis, you know, communications um, uh, spot. Um, And it can also be extremely disruptive, uh, particularly for, you know, larger companies um, where decision-making is a little bit slower, uh, where the cost to risk is much higher and so, the uh, so speed isn't necessarily something that you might see, uh, but something that really kind of takes hold uh, and, and then, you know, becomes hard to catch up to, uh, particularly, I think, for uh, larger organizations.
0: Well, you mentioned two words, speed and disruption, and the industry you're in, the, the disruptive manner in which it's taken place and the speed of which it's taking place is really fascinating. Uh, we all know that you're in competition with uh Uber um so from your perspective what what role is marketing playing in your uh, opportunity to play in that industry but also your opportunity to get more of the market share in a in a fast moving fast disruptive in- industry like what you're in
1: Sure. I, you know, I mean, if you step back, right, and and I'll use a, a different industry as, as an example, uh, and you look at airlines, right, and I, I talked, I have this conversation with a lot of people. You know, at, at, at the basic level, you can get from SFO to JFK um, on several different airlines for roughly the same price at roughly the same time with the same Safety levels, right? Um, and yet, many people choose one airline over another. For example, many people, you know, on that route, choose Virgin. At least, people that I know, a lot of people I know, because they they choose the experience and they choose, you know, they're opting into that brand, right? They're opting into the brand and the service and the experience they're getting, uh, even though technically speaking, they could get the same distance at the same amount of time for roughly the same amount of money on another airline, right? And so the I, I made that point because I think experience, you know, which is a word I'd use as opposed to marketing, is is what what it comes down to when you're competing in in a transportation business, right? So so at its core, we're still getting people from A to B and we need to get them there reliably, affordably, and safely. And um, but people are choosing into one of the two brands as a result of the the brand that they want to affiliate or associate with, right? Um, And, you know, I was having this conversation the other day with somebody about, um, you know, computer products, right? I mean, in the old days, you know, when it was was unusual to see people using a Mac, right? (laughs) An Apple product. Um, you know, you typed on it. You did word documents. You know, you, you typed on it. You did some math on it. You made some pictures on it. Um, you know, it was a machine. And yet, when you bought an Apple product, it really said something about you um, and said something about your personal brand. And um, so, I, I think experience in marketing plays a huge role for us. Um, in uh, you know in this ecosystem and, and in this industry, uh, and at the same time, we also have to be extremely focused on delivering a you know a fabulous, convenient, reliable core
0: service. So you've been at some high flying companies like Lytro, um, and that wasn't all that long ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And now you're at uh, Lyft. What are the the kind of the the best ways today? And building and creating the kind of experiences that will keep customers well. First of all, get their attention and then keep them.
1: Yep. So you know, I I I, uh, I reflect on this a lot, and I believe that Jeff Bezos made this comment. And if he did not, then somebody else smart like him, but said, you know, there are there are uh, you want to be looking for what are the things that are never going to change. And then, what are the things that you will that you can expect to change when you're building a strategy? Um, and when I when I think about the marketing strategy for whether it's Lytro or Lyft or Trulia, you know what we what I learned it into it is that the the thing that never changes is starting with the customer, and starting with what what does that customer what is the customer doing? What is the customer trying to achieve in his or her life? What are the pains that, that he or she are experiencing? Um, and, and then what are the ways that we can either solve a pain or, or create light, right? Um, and, and interestingly, you know, especially when I, when I reflect on Lytro and then you know, here at Lyft, you know, that in both of those, these instances, you can't really – I mean, for example, with Lyft – you know, the, the John and Logan couldn't really go out and ask somebody, hey, do you want to get in a car with a stranger <laughs> and have that person drive you around? You know, if you frame it that way, people are of course going to say no, right? I mean, same with Lightrow. It's like, would you like a rectangular-looking camera that, um, you know, doesn't, uh, uh, that that gives you the opportunity to refocus it after the fact, which people might be like, I don't really know what all of those things mean, right? So, so. You, but, but that doesn't mean that you can't understand customers, right? Um, and in, in, in the case of Lytro, for example, I mean, before we launched, and it was very secret, very stealthy, I mean, I hadn't even seen the camera until I signed the papers to join the company because it was that, you know, hush-hush. So obviously we can't go show it to people and talk to people and get reactions, but what we could do, what we did a lot of was... You know, we went out and spent time in the world with the kinds of people that we thought would buy the camera. So we spent a lot of time at coffee shops. We spent a lot of time, you know, in South Park in San Francisco, and we went up to Capitol Hill in Seattle. Like we we spent time doing doing the the real hard work of, of customer ethnography, and and that doesn't. What that did was help us guide the decision making, um, as we worked on the messaging, as we built out the brand um, guidelines, as we built out the brand, as we planned the launch strategy, and as we made product decisions. I mean, again, I'll, I'll you know, give you a great example from that time. You know this was about four years ago, and it, it was still not necessarily the case that most people you knew were using a Mac. Machine, right? A lot. Everyone was using a smart, you know, an iPhone, but not necessarily a a Mac, you know, laptop. Um, And yet, when we, every time we went to some of these coffee shops where, you know, the the segment that we thought would be most likely to buy Litro, every time we went, we would look around and every single person was on a, a Mac Air. And, you know, and we actually had to make a decision: do we launch with Windows or? um uh you know with with the Mac platform because we weren't able to get both done at the same time and it was a huge battle internally and we we were very clear we were like you guys if we launch if we if we don't launch with you know on the Mac platform we're not going to win the people who we know are most likely to use you know the creative uh, class that's most likely to use the camera out of the gate and it was actually like a pretty i mean now it sounds funny to say that <laughs> Uh, Because everywhere you go, people are using a Mac laptop, but uh, but back then, you know, that was a pretty controversial decision uh, that we made with, um, you know, on the basis of, of customer research. And, and we didn't make it going out and doing a quant survey because it wouldn't have made sense to do it that way, um, but we did inform the inform the decision with, with understanding customers. So to me, that's the thing that never changes, right? And, and sorry, it was a long-winded... I can kind of be on a soapbox about understanding customers sort of, you know, forever. Um, but, uh, you know, it really comes... Like, the thing that never changes is understanding customers. I and mean, we actually just spent, um, you know, two, two weeks out with... Um, with passengers uh, and drivers uh, from both platforms um, at, a, at a handful of cities across the United States, I actually spent two and a half days in D.C. last week. Um, you know, meeting with people who use ride-sharing, uh, who use Lyft, who use other services, um, people who don't use it. Um, you know, we actually did a lot of experiments where we would race each other around the city using different services, including public transit as well as. Um, uh, as well as taxis, as well as you know, Lyft and, and other ride-train options. Um, and all of that was just to help us inform and understand how are we doing, how can we get better, and how can we communicate our story better, and how can we deliver a better experience. So I, I think no matter what, from a, a speed and disruption perspective, if you're not always bringing it back to the who, um, you, you don't have a chance.
0: Well, what were some of the most important things that you learned over what you just uh, relayed in terms of going out, meeting with customers or folks and understanding what they know about ride-sharing and their experiences? What were of the main takeaways?
1: Yeah, you know, so I I think a few of the main takeaways. You know, one is um, that, uh, you know, we we as customers can tend to get a little bit – used to the services that we've always used, um, even if we don't necessarily like them. <laughs> um, and, and this was, by the way, something we have seen in other research as well. Um, and so our opportunity, and, and by the way, this is, you know, ride sharing, I mean, if I step back, if there was a PWC uh, report that came out in April, and only ni- 92% of Americans have not. I Means not, not have not participated in ride sharing, right? Which sounds crazy when you sit in some of these cities, like the San Francisco I know in Atlanta, which is, which you know, there's a lot of use of, of ride sharing. It seems crazy to believe that that's um, that that's true. But most people have not participated in ride sharing. They use their current set of transportation choices. And, and in a lot of cases, they're not necessarily satisfied with those choices, um, or, or they're, they're satisfied sometimes, but, but they're not necessarily always reliable. And so our opportunity is really to help people understand how, how do you use ride sharing? Why would you use it? When would you use it? It's why we've been running a, a, a campaign called Why I Left. Um, which shows people the reasons to ride, and that's largely focused on people who, for whom ride sharing isn't something that they think about every day. They don't live and breathe it because they're not in some of these you know, cities where it's existed for a while. So I think it was a good reminder of that. You know, it was a good reminder that um, you know, changing behavior is hard, um, even when the change is good, and that there are still an enormous number of people who haven't participated in ride sharing, and so we have a, a great opportunity to win them.
0: How important is marketing and in its, in its role, how, is, how important is it to the, the creation and also the development of the business model itself?
1: Uh, I have a hard time answering that question because I don't see, I've never experienced marketing as something separate. <laughs> Um, And maybe that's just because I've always been really fortunate to work at places where, um, you know, understanding the customer and setting the right expectations for the customer about what the product and service is and what it's going to mean for you and then working really closely with the product team to deliver on that expectation is all integral to the business strategy. So I I, um, I, I kind of have a hard time answering that question because I, I think it's, I think if marketing is not involved in the business strategy I, I don't I'm not really understanding how the business strategy would work.
0: <laughs> Even at a at your traditional stop it into it your marketing was because some some places view marketing as you know as kind of like a necessary evil for lack of a better way of putting it uh, uh-huh. whereas others see it as a central part of the business. So you're saying that wherever you've been it's always been the case.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I think I've been really fortunate to have... I mean, one of the reasons why I chose Intuit was um, because of its, you know, background in really deeply caring about customers and caring about delivering a great experience to customers. And that experience is not... is, is inclusive of the product that they're using, but it's, it's an end-to-end experience. So everything from how do you discover us in the first place... How are we convincing you to, to buy or use? Um, what's your experience as you're using the product? And then fundamentally, are you having such a good experience that you're excited to tell other people about it? You know, and I, I really grew up, um, you know, learning very, very much so from from Scott and from Brad and, and quite a lot of my mentors at Intuit who are now, you know, at Google and Nordstrom and doing some really fabulous, amazing work. And it all comes back to, like, at the end of the day, is, is the person who's experienced your service or product going to tell somebody else, gonna, going to recommend it to somebody else, right? And, and that's marketing. I mean, that's always been marketing, right? Um, whether Twitter exists or Instagram or YouTube or, you know, product hunt or just standing around, a, a, um, you know, the water cooler, that, that has always existed. And the role of delivering a great experience such that somebody wants to tell someone else about it Is is like job one, right? And and I think that's true. You know, that's extremely true in an enterprise organization, right? I mean, you know, CIOs will go tell other CIOs the products and services they're they're using. CMOs call me and ask me, hey, I'm interested in this agency or I'm looking at this tool or service. I mean. There's as much word of mouth in an enterprise context as there is in a B2C context, right? And so that's all about great service delivery, great expectations, and, and I think marketing is, a, you know, is an, an integral role in that.
0: How about the relationship between marketing and service? As you talk about uh, creating those kind of customer experiences, um, a lot of those experiences and, and a lot of the perception of the relationship it crosses boundaries. So how has... Customer expectations changed, if at all, changed the role or the relationship between marketing and service.
1: Yeah, so you know, I think that um, again, I would say I've, I've been extremely fortunate to uh, to work in organizations, into it, you know, being one where we started first with what's right for the customer, and then we worked out who's, who should do it. <laughs> You know, right? Um, I mean, I, I launched QuickBooks Twitter accounts. I mean, I can't believe I'm that old, but I did. Um, and you know, a lot of what we did when I launched it was support, right? Um, because that's what people that's what people needed. And then, um, you know, and I was in marketing, but that, it, was the right, it was the right thing to do. You know, it would have been, espe- especially back then, it would have been very weird to say, okay, oh, hey, I'm here from QuickBooks, but, um, you know, we don't, I'm in marketing, so we don't do support. I mean, it, just <laughs> it was just like, help, help the customer, help, help the person who's um, having this conversation with you in Twitter figure out what works and what doesn't work, and then we'll figure out the right place for it. And, and I was very fortunate to work with Mary Winfield who headed up uh, customer care for the small business division at Intuit. She's here now at, at Lyft. Uh, she joined us a few months ago. And so I think, again, you know, the philosophy, I think, in, the, in, in top companies is that you start with the customer, you do what's right for the customer, um, and then you work out who, who should do it. And, and, and you know I've always said this, and I've, I, somebody else told me this, and I still borrow it that if the customer if your customer can figure out your org structure by how you operate, then you're doing something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it shouldn't matter to the customer who you are, that they just need need help or they need their answer, or you know they want to give feedback and they want to be able to give it you know in the right way. So I think that's the key. Now, obviously, we have to you know play the right roles on the field, and so that we can move as quickly down the field as possible. So we need you know org clarity internally. Um, But you know, Mary and I actually Mary was with me in DC. um, You know, we work very closely together. Our VP of Product Holly Rappaport and I work extremely closely together. We have quite a few um, product folks with us on on the research as well. Um, And so I think that. You know again, we have a lot of clarity on what are the roles that we play within our within the teams and on the field, but we all start with the same thing, which is you know how do we how do we deliver a great experience for customers
0: and how do you incorporate that feedback uh, that you get? how quickly do you have to incorporate that feedback into you know the the experiences that they they're expecting and also uh, how how much Time or how much leeway do customers have when it, it comes to their expectations and what they expect you to meet before you feel the pressure of, of them walking away today?
1: Um, you know, I, I mean, I think, like, the, the short answer is that it depends in terms of the speed with which, uh, you know, feedback is incorporated. I mean, some feedback... Uh, is not only able to be incorporated immediately, but in some cases should be. Um, other feedback, you know, takes longer. And, and in some cases, look, like, I mean, and I, this is another truism for many, many, many years in, in, uh, in marketing. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, people would love something that's free and fast and delicious, right? So, <laughs> And, you know, we're a business, and so obviously we need to get paid, and we have, um, you know, we have a, it's a complicated, uh, you know, product experience, right? We're matching drivers and passengers in real time in busy cities um, and getting them from A to B, right? And so that's, a, that's, 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 it's extremely complicated to do both technically as well as operationally. Um, and so in some cases, not all the feedback it is even you know possible to be incorporated. But that said, just because the specific feedback might not be possible, there are lots of ways. And again, I would say this is where sort of marketing can play a big role, where you can either use tools to set expectations better, and um, we can communicate more clearly up front on um, you know what we're what 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 may you know, be the case or may not be the case, right? So that we can just do a better job of setting expectations up front um, in addition to, you know, either making changes or or improvements, you know, in in the end-to-end experience. Um, I think in terms of how quickly, you know, customers are expecting responses, um, you know, obviously a lot of that depends on the channel in which the, the feedback comes um you know as you know right i mean this is a huge area where you know in the old days like you would get a letter if you were lucky right <laughs> you know, back from the company after you type them a letter and signed it. Um, but, you know, today with, with Twitter and with email and um, and chat windows, et cetera, you know, obviously the, the desire for, for feedback is, is real time. You know, we're the only ride-sharing company that has a critical response line. And so if something, in an extreme emergency, if something happens, you know, we, we have a phone number people can call. Um, so we really do look at all the ways in which people need help, and then we try to serve, uh, serve those needs, um, you know, the urgent needs in the, the best way possible with the critical response line. Um, and then Mary is, is, you know, obviously doing a ton of work uh, on her end as we're building out the customer care team. So, um, Brent, I um, have really enjoyed talking to you. I'm right at my uh, schedule time.
0: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the time. It's been great. I know you got a busy schedule. So thanks for your time and look forward to speaking to you with you sometime in the near future. Thanks. Okay. Take care. Bye.
1: Thanks, Brent.